This is What the Flock Radio's Birds of a Feather. We are an indie music focus show rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Our thematic submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you while our fascinating, fun features fluster, flummox, fulfill, and thrill you. And, well, you might be asking, who the hell are you? And, you know, it's a question I ask myself a lot. First and foremost, I am the vocalist for the dark alt-rock band Ascent, and you can find us at asnt.rocks. Yeah, that cool dot rocks, you know, prefix, very cool. And, um, (sighs) allow me to introduce myself, and that is not part of my introduction, that's just, you know, the intro to my intro. I was was thinking it was, and I was digging it. No, no, the intro to my intro, so don't get too excited. Curiosity kills if you can't see the signs, but I have learned to leave no stone unturned. And night after night, I'm searching for mercy everywhere, and I feel the slap and the sting of the foul night air. I guess I don't know enough to come in from the rain. Since that night, I'm not the same. In the dark, the innocent can't see. There's a chill in my bones. I'm trying to explain love shouldn't be so hard. Even if I tried, could you be less than an addiction? Sometimes I wonder if you're real or how much I can take. I will never be the same. I will stand firm in the tempest. If you can't love me, then let me go. Wow. That was this big, long, compelling thing, and I did not recognize any of the lines. Melissa Etheridge. Oh, wow. One of my absolute favorite and idols. And uh, I know every song that that came from, so (laughs) I'm a huge fan. So it was very easy to write that, but that is how compelling a songwriter she is. Beautiful lyrics, amazingly powerful, and just a brilliant all-around musician you know i ended up with a couple of yeah i got a couple of her albums i know some of they are actually only but only one so i'm not familiar with them they all those lyrics just slid right by me oh we're gonna have to remedy uh, that i'll just have to play through them i got a couple good ones all right well i am professor v soup uh, international rock legend radiant savant and amateur wildlife photographer and okay folks you know that. After a decade in the independent music scene as a recording artist and radio personality i remain a virtual unknown Sure, I make it look easy, but such things don't happen, or don't not happen, by accident. Navigating the entertainment minefield and avoiding all those hazardous success and recognition charges just below the surface might seem an insurmountable challenge, but you don't have to go it alone. I can help you get where you don't want to go. Inspired by Carlos Santana, Ron Howard, and Helen Mirren, I am pleased to announce Professor P. Soup's Rock and Radio Anonymity Masterclass. Yeah. Fantastic. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. There will no doubt be imitators, but I warrant that no one will be able to guide you into remaining safely under the radar as effectively as I. Included in our radio host modules, researching your topic and other things to scrupulously avoid. Unintelligible phrases. Can there ever be too many? And much more. And in the recording artist portion, you'll learn such techniques as my distinctive Nails on a blackboard method of mixing in lead guitar parts. How many milliseconds behind the rhythm should your drum beats be to cause just the right disruption in your listeners' biorhythms? Maximum dissonance for a minimum fan loyalty, etc. You'll also learn how to take your light out from under a bushel and put it on a lampstand so everyone can curse it in the all-new unit, shrewd lyricism, musical variety, and other success-killing kisses of death to embrace in a post-original music scene. 
The pitfalls of fame and fortune have been well documented, so to avoid such horrors as bothersome interviews, copious correspondence, embarrassingly lucrative product endorsements, hiring accountants, and worse, take decisive action now to make a name for yourself that no one will ever know. Sign up at ProfessorPSoup.net. I am Professor P. Soup, and this is my masterclass. Okay, Pumpkin, I think it's your turn now. All right, and that uh, takes us to the first, what do I call this, like a mini feature or like a, a prequel, maybe? That what we call this bit? I don't know. This is bird banter, and this is kind of what we're considering, I guess, sort of a mini winging it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of a foreshadowing too. It yeah. is, right? It is. It just kind of it kind of leads in. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I wanted to talk about some of the worst bands of the 90s. There are so many. I hopefully with my proclivities, hopefully you're talking about the 1790s because I'm more <laughs> familiar with those probably. No, the 90s. No, I totally I totally recognize that this as a laudable anti-dinosaur measure on your part Indeed, to modernize yes. the show. And I and I, I salute that futile effort. Yeah, it's... <laughs> while futile, I still think it's important. It's a gesture, if nothing else, you know? And I didn't say gesture. I said gesture. So, no, you're not a clown. You're not court, funny to me like a clown. Court gesture. Yes. So, well, number 10, and I'm not going to go through all 10 because we don't have enough time, is Dave Matthews Band. Now... I don't particularly agree with this, but uh, there are a lot of people who hate Dave Matthews Band. Now, one of the things about Dave Matthews Band that many people who are haters and who don't even bother to listen to them don't know how brilliantly talented they are. They are musical geniuses. They're the way that they put together their music. They are absolute master craftsmen. And if you don't like Dave Matthews' voice, I get it. It's not the best voice, but he's a brilliant frontman. I've seen him in concert. The music is amazing. I get that it's not music for right now. And I'm still surprised that it was music for then because it's very niche. It is very niche. It was very college radio, you know, that kind of thing. And I get it. But at the end of the day, Dave Matthews' band is a hell of a talented band. And if you haven't given him a listen, I think that you should. I'm sad that this is on Rolling Stones, <laughs> you know, top 10 here, but it is number 10. So I have to be honest. Go ahead, David. I know what you're going to say. Well, I, I straight out of the gate, I agree about his, you know, the vocal uh, not being my sort. I suppose he's good and everything, but it's just not what I'm looking for. And uh, let's say... <laughs> and I remember here, and I, I totally get uh, that what you said totally applies to me about not really having listened and giving them a chance and not uh, listening to these allegedly great arrangements they've put together. No, I have not. I do remember hearing the two or three whatever tracks at one point and really not being motivated by them, but I'm probably missing something. Well, I do think you're missing something, and they're. They still sell out whenever they play because they have a, a cult following. And it's usually people who would go to like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to say stuff like, you know, probably very uh, proggy sort of thing because they have they do the tricky time signatures. They do very interesting. It's, there's some jazz influence. There's so much different stuff uh, yes. in their music. Art rock. Yes. <laughs> and it is fucking art. So I, I just think people should check it out. But, you know, that's just me. And that takes us to number nine, which is going to break David's heart. It is Ace of Bass. So 
Ace of base. I, I, uh, obviously, whoever, who, who voted on this? This is Rolling Ranker? Stone. Oh, Rolling Stone. They obviously never saw the sign. <laughs> the good people of 1993 didn't know that they wanted a new album, but when all that she wants hit the radio, that's exactly what they got. Now, I don't care for this band. I didn't care for them then, and it's hard for me not to like you in the 90s. I was real fucking open. I was open in the 80s. I was open in the 90s. Late 90s to 2000s, I got a little more discerning. Not discerning. Discerning. Um, But, again, the 90s are really reserved for grunge for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this band, I just, I, yeah, I'm not in. Yeah, so what, basically what you're saying is decades ago you were a young thing and tender, uh, running a court low on discrimination in the uh, artistic area, and uh, I totally get that. Oh, wow. Right. Okay, so here's the news. But I though. love Ace of Base. Okay. I do not, I had, and I've listened to it a lot, probably more than I've ever wanted to and more than you have ever listened to them because they were a mainstay on the radio in the 90s, and all I did was listen to the radio. And I saw the sign, but it did not open up my fucking mind. So, number eight is the fucking spin doctors. No, no, not that, not the that thing. Fucking spin doctors. This has got to be one of the worst bands ever. And my poor little brother, I've got to just out him, man. He had this poster on his ceiling, and I thought. That is the worst fucking thing to have to look at is the spin doctor's face because it reminds me of their music, which is almost as bad. Yeah, it's like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo is the, the front man, and uh, it sounds kind of like what you would expect now. I'm not a, not a... I just can't. Even when they have a good melody, they somehow manage through some mystical power none of us will ever stand, understand to make you hate it. Uh, so, I mean, I the whole sound is... is And I don't, I don't have anything with, like, you know really i guess slick kind of corporate rock i'm okay with that you know what whatever it sounds no hell no i just did not i'll take boston any day like right different <laughs> i i'll take boston but i don't want spin doctors you can keep them cannot handle little miss can't be wrong and two princes i just i gotta go this band sucks so i am so with them but what about seven i know you have quite a bit to say about number seven and it is bush uh you know what I I remember from the first millisecond detesting the group Bush <laughs> from a music video. It wasn't just the video. It was the cacophony that accompanied it. It was uh, noise to me. I, I, I detested it. So it says, just imagine how frustrating the grunge revolution must have been for the major labels. And then suddenly they had this new generation of rock bands selling millions of, re- minions? Millions of records. Selling millions to the minions. <laughs> Uh, selling millions of records, but none of them were easy to manage, right? Well, so they had Bush, then came along Bush, right? So Gavin Rosdale, I thought at the time, what a good-looking guy. And then he sang, and I was like, I mean, it's kind of middle of the road, not thrilling me, not doing anything. And then I heard the actual song content. I liked Come Down. I was okay with that song. And then I heard Glycerine, and I just thought, oh, no. I, Obviously, I'm, everything is not zen with you. No, it's not. <laughs> I, it's not. I'm going to have to cut ties with them. I'm like, oh, hell no. Uh, so it's funny because they crapped out about mid-90s, this band, and they returned in 2010, and guess what? Nobody cared. Uh, I, I, I didn't Sorry. before, and I don't now. And they don't now. So, again, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, I even include Ace of Base in that uh, that uh, calculation. Uh, number six, Hootie and the Blowfish. Well... I'm really sorry. You and so the country was divided. 
uh, back in 1994. You were either on Team Newt Gingrich or Team Bill Clinton. You thought O.J. Simpson was a vicious murderer or you thought he was framed by the LAPD. We were coming apart at the seams and then Hootie and the Blowfish release cracked rear view and we came together. Everybody loved it. I don't understand, but I guess grunge was over and people were ready for some shiny plastic bullshit. Not not corporate rock, just bullshit. I do love his voice, but the music is just, it is saccharine, it's sticky sweet, and it's lame as fuck. So I am so out. Um, you know, now he's a, a country hit maker, and I still don't like the music he makes, so I guess I'm just out. Yeah, that's a group I could have always done without. Uh, not thrilled by what I heard, and uh, life's too short. It's a life's too short situation. It is a life's too short situation. I like it. Well, you're not going to like number five, I will tell you that. Nirvana. What the fuck happened here? Did members of Warrant, Motley Crue, Poison, and Bang Tango come together to <laughs> stuff the ballot boxes? That's Who hates one. Nirvana? This is all Rolling Stone, by the way. Sure, the crazy success of Nevermind meant that many 80 superstars seem like premature has-beens, but that was inevitable. So, I will say, <laughs> ever they say... They go on to say that whoever put this in the poll, but they went ahead and posted it, is fucking wrong. Now, again, we've talked about Nirvana on this show. I like Nirvana. I think they're over-fucking-rated. I really do. I think, again, it became its own thing. It became like a cult. It became its own culture. <laughs> but uh, I think they're overrated. But, again, Kurt Cobain was incredibly talented, and I wish I could have seen what else he did. Yeah, Nirvana was fantastic and everything. Uh, how they would end up here, I mean, is it? we're not talking numbers here because almost everybody loves Nirvana. You know, understandably. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, that actually isn't true. No. I've read a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, hate uh, directed against the limited guitar skills and vocal. It's true. Abilities of Mr. Comey, both of which I appreciate very much. So, of course, yeah, but you hate every other male singer, so it's interesting. I like it. I like the just there's just just no. Yeah, Cobain, yes. Rossdale, no, definitely. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Well, guess who's at number four? You're not going to be surprised by this, but you're not going to like it. '90s bands. Until you name them, I couldn't have even thought them, even when the ones I know. Yeah. Hanson. No way! Yeah, it's easy to see why some people resent Hanson, they say. They were the first teen act of the decade to sell millions of records. You know, the new kids of the block, they began in the 80s. So just so you know, don't get all your panties in a wad. It's okay. Um, and they were selling records to tween girls like crazy. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm into Hanson. I was into them. I think they're incredibly talented. They were incredibly talented children, and they're incredibly talented adults. And I don't care if it's if it's little like sticky sweet stuff when it's real. This is not corporate rock. This is their music that they created, you know. And I just I thought they did a really great job. So talented, and I think they deserve their place in the '90s, uh, you know, success category. But obviously, a lot of readers put them here because they didn't like them. Well, it was probably mbop, that kind of thing. I mean, it was, which, first of all, as we've discussed at length before, is actually a, a good song. And Hanson evolved so uh, so masterfully in uh, their musical output, and I did see them twice in concert, as I mentioned. So they are, they don't belong here by any stretch. Well, you know who does belong here is Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I, I, I salute everybody who voted Limp Biscuit onto this list. 
If you think that Limp Biscuit fans are a bunch of violent, misogynistic bullies, you aren't alone. A lot of people felt that way, but they're saying that, you know, they had some place in the 90s, and they did. And their place was quick, and it dissolved quickly. But you know what? What's really sad is Limp Biscuit is still touring. And I guess people are actually going to see them. In fact, I believe Bruce is going to see a really good band that's opening for them, but leaving before Limp Biscuit plays, who's the headliner. <laughs> Life's so, too short. <laughs> Life's too fucking short. So yeah, Limp Biscuit sucks. And I don't care why he did it, especially if it's all for the nookie, because I can't imagine he was getting any then or now, but who am I? I know who I hope is on this list. Let's see if they pop up. Well, number two is... One of the most hated bands in the world, Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Though not number one. Though not number one. So, I, you know, it's funny because the first line here is it's not, it's hard not to feel a little bad for Nickelback. And I agree. Nickelback hit, hit the scene and they were a fucking just a titan. They came in and they just slayed and people fucking loved them and then they became the band that everyone loved to hate. It was a feeding frenzy. It really <laughs> which it, oh. has scarcely waned since then. That is exactly correct. They still sell a lot of concert tickets though they'll probably have the last laugh when they're still hugely successful 10 years from now, which is probably true. No, I was tormented by Nickelback 3 times this week and folks, if you have not heard them they're every bit as bad as you've been warned. So, <laughs> life's too short. I, and Nickelback, you know how I remember the name? That's what I would want if I spent five cents on one of the Fuck records. Me. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, the last one, number one on the list of the top 10 most hated, is Creed. Now, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I know everyone hates Creed. I don't understand the Creed hate. Again, it's that shiny plastic corporate rock. That I liked. I thought it was good. It had a good message. This They had their Christian band upbringing, you know, that whole thing. I thought it was earnest stuff. I thought it was good stuff. I thought the singer was okay, though, as you might say, nasally and sung from the back of his throat, was a decent... Uh, was a decent band and again it's one of those that they were huge and then everybody decided you know what fuck them we hate them they suck and that is where they live today and a very troubled band lots of uh, little storied past there with the lead singer you know going off and saying crazy shit but you know what at the end of the day they made great music and they did it with their eyes wide open and their arms wide open actually as well <laughs> Thank you so much for reminding me, for bringing that vocal into my mind. Yeah. Well, With I, arms wide open, under the sunlight. <laughs> well, if I don't like Eddie Vedder, then I don't like a guy who sounds way too much like Eddie Vedder for me <laughs> to enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, never been, never liked anything heard by Creed. Prayed I would never hear him again. Well, you won't have to. That was the top 10 worst bands of the 90s per Rolling Stone readers. Some we agreed with, some we didn't. I'd say for the most part, they're batting at least, you know, 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 for me, depending. Uh, so, yeah, now it's all, it's all up to you. Uh, okay, so next time we do the 1790s, right? Um. Yeah, I'll go back and pull some of that. 18th century, at least. Yeah, perfect. Excellent. All right. All right, that brings us to a recap of the theme for tonight's show. And it's another free bird, open-ended for you. It's restricted to the pop, rock, or pop genres. And that's an interesting distinction right there. Uh, pop rock is a music genre which mixes a catchy pop style and light lyrics in its guitar-based 
rock songs. There are varying definitions of the term, though, ranging from a slower and mellower form of rock music to a subgenre of pop music. And there are characteristics there that you will find in common in The Beatles, U2, The Eagles, Queen, Journey, Elton John, and a lot of bands. And it, When you have the layers of vocals that you found in Boston, for some reason it becomes pop. <laughs> you know, even though it's hard rock. And I would add Kiss to that list, too. I think they're, they excel at pop. But hmm. the distinction is interesting. I think it has to do something with, besides the perception of the instrumentation, whereas a song with a phony plastic beat machine, we might say, oh, that's pop. But if it had real drums, we'd say it was more rock. And guitars are a big factor, too. And a number of pop songs are one guitar, a few de- a few decibels of guitar away from being great rock anthems. And Lady Gaga's done several that really do have some decent guitar as well. So pop and rock, there's a beautiful crossover there, and I'm hoping we're going to hear a lot of that tonight. We definitely are, and I think you brought up a good point because... There's going to be music that we play tonight that are from these indie bands, and you're going to say, but they're rock. But what makes them pop is their pop sensibilities, their catchy chorus, you know, their use of different instrumentation. So you're going to hear bands that sound like, you know, there may be a rock band, but you're going to get a little bit of that pop. So the pop rock genre is kind of subjective as well, like you said. It really is. Well, you know who absolutely slew at pop? Van Halen. I mean, if Dance the Night Away and Jump are not pop, then what is? You know, uh, mm. they, they are g- as good at that as they are brain-face-melting sh- uh, uh, guitar rock. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because pop doesn't have a bad name with me or with you. No, but, no. But a lot of rock bands don't want to be considered pop. So I'm surprised that you think Kiss is like, oh, yeah, we want to be pop. I can't imagine Van Halen's like, oh, yeah, we want to be called pop. I do not think they'd, they'd be down with that. But it's interesting, and that's how subjective it is, because it can feel like pop rock to you, but I'm like, no. You know, I might say, a scent is just rock. You might be like, girl, it's accessible, and it's catchy, so it's a little pop, right? I don't want to be called pop. I mean, I don't mind, but a lot of people will be like, I'm a rocker. I don't want to be called pop, but I think it's okay, and I like it. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're living in our own realities here. Uh, we know <laughs> exactly. what we believe uh, about right. ourselves. You know, <laughs> exactly right. Well, I am looking forward to listening to those songs, and we're going to talk about how we're going to do the song listening a little different later. I think it'll be fun for everyone. But right now, let's talk about some results. And we asked you, hell yes or oh hell no. And uh, we have some results here. So for this feature, we consider bands and determine if we are in or out. We ask you, of course, to weigh in because we always want to know what you think. And this time we talked about the Foo Fighters, the much previously maligned by David Foo Fighters. Let's see how he feels today. But right now, I want to say that 98% said hell yes and 2% said hell meh. They weren't in, but they weren't out. They're like, I mean, they're all right. Which to me is kind of like, it's either Switzerland or they might as well have said hell no. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I do. I don't know where they, are you riding the fence or are you like, fuck off and I just don't want to say it because Christina will come back. She'll come for me, you know? <laughs> and I know there are people listening thinking, I hope David feels thoroughly abashed when he realizes how good the Foo Fighters are. Oh, well, I folks, do. this is your lucky day. I do. Oh. I, I have as Christina cruelly reminded you, maligned them a number of times in the past. <laughs> All right, I own that. Uh, but um, they, as it turns out, are actually good. You know what it is? Honestly, I think in my mind when I was picturing the Foo Fighters sound, I was actually hearing 
uh, Nickelback. <laughs> so, <laughs> not so, the same. Not surprising that I hated them in that case. And uh, I have not nearly done as much homework as I should on the show. However, I did listen to a number of Foo Fighters songs. And they are they are a fantastic rock band, just like I always heard. They're really, really good. And they're poppy. They've got a great pop sensibility. That's why they have legions of fans. So I'm really happy. Here's the thing about David. If David finds that he is wrong, he will admit it. And if you challenge him to do some research and listen to some music, he will do it. Now he may come back and go, yeah, I hate them even more now than I did before. Thanks. Or he might say, well, shit. I was thinking that band was Nickelback. So, you know, it's helpful. So thank you, David, for owning your complete, um, you know, lack of love for Foo Fighters back in the day. And now you're a, a fan. And I, I, I find that wonderful and remarkable. No, I'm willing to explore, willing to change. And now I'm taking my marbles and going home. <laughs> of course. And yeah. that makes sense. So now time for the first song now you might say okay so now what's the big difference christina you teased earlier that you're going to do it a little different well here's what happens so i typically listen to the songs and david now you know uh, and david introduces two i introduce three and we write a little blurb on it and we move forward so going forward or at least until david decides otherwise <laughs> if he does we are going to listen to the song together and then share our thoughts right after we play it. So we're going to be kind of experiencing the same thing as you are. And the first band is called Harry Larkin. And the song is Sugar Rush. They are from Sheffield. They are alternative pop, funk, and rock. And they are very good. I did listen to this submission, but I listened to it quite some time ago. So let's refresh ourselves, shall we, David? Whoosh. Whoosh. We're back. Okay. So, Harry or Harry Larkin. So, I have a couple words to kick this off. Funky and fabulous. Funky and fabulous. It is funky but chic. And you know this, this group from Sheffield in the UK boasts a, a sort of a Michael Jackson-style pop melody and vocal delivery with uh, hints of Santana here and there, and it oh, interesting. Kind of has a it, it has that college audience feel, you know. It just it's the kind of thing, but more it, accessible. Yeah, but alternative, but poppy alternative. I call it smart pop. Smart That's what pop. I call it. There you go. That kind of thing. The uh, it has a gorgeous tapestry of vocals, and it packs a hell of a punch. This is a really superb group. We're just hearing for the first time, of course. It really is. I I really I, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like this is what Maroon 5 wanted to sound like, and they were close to sounding like it in the oh. very beginning, oh. and then they they deviated, and they went down a really crazy path. So songs about They went about over to Jane. the dark side big time. Right away. It was very sad, but I think they wanted to sound like this, so it made me a little sad, but I'm so glad that we have Hari Larkin to take that spot. So great production. I love the layered vocals. Very powerful. The vocals are not overpowering. They're perfect. I just thought this was a killer song.
You can find them on Facebook at Hari Larkin Music, and that is H-A-R-R-I-L-A-R-K-I-N Music. And now it's time for a brand new feature from the bottomless well and in- inexhaustible font that is Christina's brain of new features. <laughs> this one is called, this is the one that I was born to deliver. This is tailor-made for me. Uh, Crestrel Clear and Astute Listeners will know that Crestrel, by the process uh, process of elimination, by simple deduction, must be a bird of some sort. It is a bird. She's found another bird. Crestrel Clear. And in this case, as you can guess by the title, for this feature we discuss lyrics that are everything they seem. There's no room for interpretation. They're plain, and they either suck or they rock. But it doesn't take one of those deep thinkers. Basically, this is the kind of thing that I was born to do. Yes. A plus B equals C. You're in. That's right. You know, I am not one to put on airs, so I make no bones about my inability to comprehend most lyrics or my unwillingness to try. There it is. That's, I know, that's, the real, that's the real kicker right there. That's the second one, is it? Ding. It's so much more fun that way. <laughs> but I'm thinking, in thinking about this feature, it occurred to me that until the 1960s, pretty much all lyrics were of the take-it-at-face-value variety. Mm, true that. I mean, was there ever really any ambiguity in Chuck Berry? Probably not. I mean, brilliance, yes, but yes. nothing abstract. The same could be said of a great deal of more contemporary music, like virtually the entire Kiss catalog, for example. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to figure out what Kiss songs are about most of the there time. There are no reflex. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but there are not theories about what Kiss songs That's are about. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> but in bucking my usual tradition of laziness, I decided I'd draw from an artist who is one of the reigning champions of what the fuck are they on about lyrics. <laughs> the subject, how first... Is mental institutions, insane asylums. There have been many songs written about booby hatches, and these usually don't regard such places as where one wants to be. True. Though, sometimes they do. Alice Cooper has at least two standalone songs and an entire album about the subject, and the protagonists therein usually want out. To see their wives, to take care of their dogs, to get revenge. As did (laughs) the enraged speaker in Metallica's Welcome Home Sanitarium. However, madness can be rewarding as Napoleon XIV babbles in his bizarro hit that I wish I had written, by the way. They're coming to take me away. Ha ha. (laughs) I mean, how did I not think of that one? Because it's too friggin' brilliant. That's why. Brilliant. Wherein Napoleon's jilted lover character, who warned the ex that he would go mad if she left, has done so and now looks forward to the funny farm. He did, however, retain the presence of mind to tell her, Quote, they'll find you yet, and when they do, they'll put you in the ASPCA, you mangy mutt. Shit. End quote. <laughs> so, I think it's really cool as hell that he's not bitter or anything. Uh, no, no, he's very, they're friends, I think. He's taking it they're well. They're friends, yeah. yeah. And a similar note is today's tune, All the Mad Men, by, of all people, David Bowie, from his brilliant album, The Man Who Sold the World. It's funny how he comes up a lot on this show, doesn't he? He does. It just, it just, it's not even planned out. No. Know? While many subjects of similar songs would do anything to get out, Bowie's character is quite bent on staying right where he is, despite the administration's insistence that he's free to leave. And part of the lyric goes like this. He begins, day after day, they tell me I can go. They tell me I can blow to the far side of town. But he knows out there he'll have duties and responsibilities and concerns. He goes on to say immediately after that, to the far side of town where it's pointless to be high because it's such a long way down. Then begins with the threats of self-harm. 
and our narrator is quite committed to maintaining the status quo, too, even at the point of making statements like this. I can fly. I will scream. I will break my arm. I will do me harm. Wow. Yeah, right? That's clear. He rather succinctly sums up his position by saying, quote, I'd rather stay here with all the madmen than perish with the sad men roaming free. Yes, he says, me and my fellow Fruit Loops have got it all figured out. So, you know, this one seems pretty straightforward and not one of those pesky allegories or things that are, like, way over my head. He's a guy who's in an institution who wants to stay there. He's got to be because he doesn't have the concerns that the rest of us have to deal with on the outside. Uh, not a very often stated position, but that's kind of how David Bowie did things anyway. So thank you, David, for a song lyric that even I can understand and, frankly, relate to. Uh, you know, if, hey, if they will play Universal Monsters on an endless loop in the rec room or let me have my own DVD player, sign me up for that shit today. Uh, <laughs> hey, Pumpkin, could you be my executor? Have me committed and stuff? Like, I'll be your Britney, bitch. Mm. Oh, shit. Conservatorship reference. Free David. Free the professor. <laughs> we'll work on that. Right, if you ever, if right. it happens, we'll, we'll do it. I can get you locked up, man. All right. Well, thank you for the first ever Crestral Clear. And, uh, yeah, I like that. And I don't think those lyrics suck. I think they rock. Oh, oh yeah. Very good lyrics. Very good lyrics. Ooh. I almost I almost thought that went without saying because it's Bowie. But uh, at the same time, no, no. He, anybody can do a sneaker. Great lyric. And, um, like I said, it's pretty clear what it's about. It's pretty cut and dried. And I, I like it. It's Crestral. It's Crestral Clear. I think it is. Well, all right. So, from new feature to new song. So, we're going to do another artist. This one is Make Sparks, and the song is Question. And they are from Dundee, Scotland, and they are pop rock. So, let's go ahead and take a listen to Make Sparks. Whoosh. Whoosh. Personal 
make sparks with questions so i have a question for you what are your thoughts well it made sparks all right it, first it's definitely pop and rock there's no for question sure. about being both and uh, well first of all it is pop and it is rock it easily fits both uh, can be interchangeably described as both uh the guitars are emphasized for sure the vocal's really energetic, and I gotta say, hats off to that drummer. Man, <laughs> the drummer is the real secret weapon in this case. It uh, plays with the same restlessness as Blondie's Clem Burke. Mm, and it just, uh, interesting. Is that much of a component of the music. And it's it's a strong tune anyway. It makes a big first impression and uh, really goes out with a nice, surprisingly fierce ending. So good on them. It's true. I hear Fallout Boy is a major influence in this band. And, you know, it's interesting. I like the vocal, too. I like that he doesn't oversing. There's no oversinging. He just sings the song. He gets the job done. He's not going over the top. I no, love No screamy, tortured no. <clears throat> uh, uh, Nickelback vocals. We don't need any of that. Um, I like it. The chuggy guitar. It's real fun. It kind of keeps me really engaged. Um, I really like the falsetto that happens. It's really surprising. I didn't know it was coming, and I really enjoyed it. I saw you look up like, Yeah, hey. I was like, what the hell? Oh, I like that. And it's catchy, and it's memorable. And the starts and the stops in the song are very arresting. So I thought it was very impactful. I really like Make Sparks. And where can you find them? Well, I'm glad you asked. Facebook at M-A-K-E-S-P-A-R-K-S. And it is time for hummingbirds and for this feature we hum songs and see if the other person can guess the song in a head-to-head battle but now what we've decided to do or i'm sharing with david that we've decided to do is we're going to do lightning rounds we only have 30 seconds to figure out the song if not we have to forfeit and say that we lost no extra stuff no oh can you give me more of that no either we have it or we don't wow ruthless changing the game Olympic shit here. I know. We're changing the game, so... That means i got to break out my... Uh, I was going to say my escape uh, mental patient notes of what songs I've selected for this time. Actually, you should see the notes I was taking during the, the previous songs because we're <laughs> hearing them here live for the first time. Yes. I don't know how long that's going to continue, but uh, we're, <laughs> we're, no, we're hearing them here. It is actually kind of fun to do it that way. I think it's fun because then we're like looking at you like, oh, like, interesting. Oh. Oh. And, and you get that first impression. You write stuff down that you can't. You have no idea what you're talking you don't, about. And we're like looking at each other like, don't look at my notes. Don't look at, you don't get to look at my notes. I don't know what you would say about that. Probably, well, you got, we're, we're coming from different worlds here. That's <laughs> 
But uh, those notes were written, uh, forget escape mental patient notes, those look like the notes of a mental patient who is far too insane and stupid to escape. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Still inside, you know. You, couldn't, you could not read mine. Do you want to even try? Look at that. There's no way you could read my notes. Oh, that's some kind of, what the hell is that, calligraphy? <laughs> that's how I write when I'm writing really fast. Oh, man. <laughs> the letters are all mashed up. No, no, you, you've, you're uh, you're definitely in my league at least. See, I told yeah. you. All right, here we are in La La Birds. Uh, Don't forget your timer because this is we're going to do lightning rounds. This is going to be fun. We're going to take no prisoners kind of thing. So after we sing, we have thirty seconds. Wow. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun and painful. And here's the thing: what? if you want more time for this one, then you take fifteen seconds off your next one. And, and you don't know what the next one is. The next one That's might right. be, a, you know, two seconds and I'm done. That's you know. exactly right. Damn. Exactly. All right. You can borrow. Yeah, I know. Well, why not? I mean, I'm starting to make the game interesting, right? I mean, why not? Uh, the stress is ratcheted up. Uh. <laughs> All right. Now, since we're doing Lala Birds, uh, this does make it tough because the deliverer of the hint will now blame themselves more for the inadequacy of the hint itself. True. Uh, with this uh, incredible pressure being thrust upon us. By an unfeeling administration. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. My timer is ready here. And here comes your first one. La, 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 Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Let me see if I can do it right. That's all I can do. Fuck. Yeah. I got... Okay. Let me think. It sounds familiar. Fuck. I'm going to lose this motherfucker you've so got, bad. You've got time. I, I, can't, I can never beat that during your mm-hmm. time. You can, but I can't get any more time. Fuck me. I know I know that. You're going to scream bloody murder because it's it? Michael Jackson bad. God dang it. I knew I knew that oh, song. That's oh, that's got to. That has to hurt, and I'm terribly sorry. That one really does hurt. Oh, my God. Okay. Fuck. Okay. Are you ready for mine? <clears throat> okay. <laughs> These are easy, though, I These think. ruthless time limits will help out with the editing, won't they? Well, I think they're fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, la, 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 la. La, 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 la. Okay. La, 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 la. Good, I've got time to borrow uh, from... Oh, it's the next one. Oh, the final countdown. That's a keyboard rap. That's a keyboard. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even I didn't even have to go into, like, it's the final countdown. Yeah. And I have to say, oh, yeah, I have to complete it. Europe, the final countdown. Yes, correct. Yeah. Exactamundo. So not bad. Hey. Not at all. La, 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 la. Everybody's working <laughs> for the weekend. No, Lover boy. Can't even touch the timer. <laughs> She's got it. See, now the last one, I, I, I'll have to figure something else out. But anyway, okay. All right. Hit me with your best <clears throat> shot. Oh, wait. That's oh, not hey. it, is it? <laughs> I almost did that yeah, one this time. I'm not even lying. Okay, are you ready? La, 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 I uh, heat of the moment by, and I have to remember the generic. Uh, 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 you only have 
I remember. 30 seconds. Oh, okay. Heat of the Moment by Asia. Yay! <laughs> you got it. All right. Okay, very nice. So you got all... Well, you got two of mine so far. We've only done two. Now, this is more your generation than mine. Oops, that was an unwarranted hint. That is not right. Uh, just just generational thing. Just a little, thing, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Let's see if I can uh, affect the uh, nasal quality. Uh oh, I hear a lyric. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to. TLC, bitches. Hi, TLC Waterfalls. Thank you very much. Okay, you ready? Did I already do this? No, we. this is our third one, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. La, 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 Did we do this one only with lyrics? No, I guess we didn't. We must have thought about it, though. Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Hell yeah. What? Now I feel guilty. Well, actually, I'm doing okay. You're doing great so far, too. Well, I mean. I got to find something here. No, the first one I did not get. Remember? I didn't get bad, which is painful. Oh, bad. Oh, the agony. Yes, that's right. The agony, man. I am never going to live that shit down. All right. Let me think here for a second. This is a last-minute substitution. At the risk of howls of indignation, I've come up with this. La, 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 wait, la, 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 I kind of fucked it up there. Damn. La, 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 Oh. Fake beat. I've been treated. Okay. When will I be loved? Linda Ronstadt. When will I be loved? Linda It was amazing. See how easy this is? Oh, my goodness. I didn't get bad, though, so I just suck. Okay. Is this, that was my last one, or this is your last? This is your last one. That was, yeah. This is the last one. Okay, ready? That was your last. This is my last. So you got all three so far. Damn. So, La 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 la. No, wait, yeah. No, let me do that. I think I already got it, but try it. No, go ahead. Uh, Is it, uh, and I I just heard this too. Is it White Snake? Here I go again. Yes. Yes. Holy shit. That was the worst humming ever. Somehow you still managed it. Uh, Somehow you did it. Well, you are four for four, so you win this lightning round, and I suck. But lightning round is fun, I believe. I think that was fun. Oh, my God. You know what it's time for? Oh, my gosh. Another song. Because this show, you know, is about music and it's about indie music. So let's listen to another song by a band called Morphing Bass. Now, we've had them on the show recently, but here's the thing. When they submitted again, I thought, I remember when they submitted the first time, I thought they could go for many genres and I just could not discount them from this genre because it really fits them they're electro pop rock so this is Morphing Bass with a song called Rolling the Dice they are from Tokyo they're in Tokyo currently as well and again I mentioned electro pop rock so let's take a moment and listen to Morphing Bass
are back we just listened to morphing bass and rolling the dice so very interesting i'm gonna share that i really uh 
I like the synths, of course. I always like a good synth, especially if we're going to do some pop rock. Um, You know, it's experimental and unexpected. And I like that. I like experimental. I like that it doesn't follow a specific pattern. It's not what you'd expect. I like the unexpected. I like the layering. There's a lot of dense layering in there, and I really like it. I hope you notice the layering as well. Um, Airy vocals. I really like the fact that they had an airy sound to the vocal because it really softened it, which I think really complemented the rest of the the music. It was the it's interesting because the vocal could be harsh, right? But they you were you know very aware of the fact that it needed to kind of have a good place in the mix, so they did added that really nice airy effect, which also made it seem like a little more spacey, which I really liked. And a- ethereal kind of a exactly. Thing. Yeah. And when the rhythm changed. Yeah. I found that kind of interesting, too, because you notice how many times the rhythm changed during that song, and then it went back to the original. So, I don't know. Did you hear any of that stuff I just mentioned? or? Well, as I was listening through the beginning, I was like, wow, this has a real kind of like a nice a cure kind of a feel, you know, that whole 90s thing there. And, uh, you know, and then it started out with like an offbeat Susie Sue kind of vocal, and it was, like you said, kind of like not harsh, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. really raw. You know? Yes. And then it kind of went in the direction of like the clarity and force kind of of a Pat Benatar type of approach, mm. which you don't usually hear in the same song, at least not from the same singer. And uh, as you said, the synths are wonderful. The synthesizers are fantastic. It kind of has the feel of uh, like a later incarnation of Berlin might have sounded mm. like, you know, very, very good, very accessible, uh, very engaging. I liked it. So there you go. That is our third artist. We have five, but we're going to give you another feature in between that and the next. And this time, is it a new one? It can't be. Another new one. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, inexhaustible font. I just, I'm really sorry. It is indeed another new one. And the really amazing part is that not only is it another new feature, but it's another one that I have to present. What? Yeah, right. Oh, how weird. So you're setting the tone and the stage for those, so really you're becoming dictator in this uh, respect? Uh, I'm having dictatorship thrust upon me, yes, because oh, you have chosen to entrust me, and I am honored, uh, don't get me wrong, Indeed. with uh, presenting uh, all these new features that you constantly come up with for the first time. Well, you know why? It's because you just uh, you set the standard. Setting the standards. That's correct. Hail to the king, baby, as Ash would, <laughs> oh, as Ash would say. Yeah. Okay, now, you know, we might want to just eat your britches, a little too big for them. Yeah, who, 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 who buys that crap? <laughs> All right, well, this one is called Starling for Attention. And for this feature, we discuss artists that have gone to all lengths, any lengths, to get the attention of record executives, their audience, love interests, etc., Look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and there's certainly no shortage of fodder for this uh, grist for this mill, I can say. <laughs> because rock music history is replete with instances of stunts and scandals and controversies and even crimes that uh, much more often than you think turned out to be a boon for a waxing or waning career. As strange as it Truth. sounds. And perhaps there's no greater example of this than the that should have totally backfired incident <laughs> Involving a fellow recently sacked, but clawing his way to a comeback, namely Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, good one. After being bounced out of Black Sabbath for being a complete flake and unreliable waste of space, Mr. Osbourne was pulled off the dung heap by manager Sharon Alden, his future wife and matriarch of the larger-than-life TV family, the Osbournes. Mm. And a fortuitous union with guitar whiz Randy Rhodes as well. And you know what? As uh, big a Black Sabbath fan as I am, I have been known to be a little critical or dismissive of Ozzy. 
But I got to say, makes two of us. right, I know, but I have to say, I caught a bit of a biography the other day, and he was talking about his um, this period of his life. And oh, when, he can speak? Because y- yes, he can. When I'm here, Randy Rose, everything's changed for me. Randy Rose is the greatest thing ever happened to me. But R- see, whenever I used to watch the show, he was like, and I was, what? There were subtitles on. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I should helpful. have done that. Uh, and I got to say about how he met Randy Rhodes and, you know, the, how it just clicked and it gave him hope to start again. And, you know, I got to admit, I was pretty moved. It was pretty, oh uh, my. It was pretty, pretty stirring story. Still does so, so Osborne Rhodes et al. put out an album a year after his dismissal from the band that brought him fame. As the debut album Blizzard of Oz slowly fought its way onto the UK charts while awaiting U.S. release... In a bid to encourage Epic Records to take her clients' music more seriously, Arden, I called her Alden before, sorry, uh, Sharon, the future Mrs. Osborne, decided it would be a good idea to make nice with CBS record executives. Epic Records, which is owned by CBS, was having its annual sales convention, and this is where the future Mrs. Osborne decided to present her future husband to the label to encourage them to take his work in his career seriously as his debut album blizzard of oz was clawing its way onto the uk charts waiting for its u.s release so how was it supposed to be sharon arranged for ozzy to give a short speech lauding the efforts of the company workforce in the lead-up to the u.s release of blizzard of oz the fiesta resistance was to have ozzy ending his speech by releasing three white doves into the gathered audience of label higher-ups and worker bees but arden's clever peacemaking reference unexpectedly and gruesomely backfired when Osborne, who had, quote, polished off a bottle of brandy in the car on the way to the convention, Mm, end quote, and uh, where was his uh, manager when all this was going down, Uh, Hmm. according to the author here, got bored with the proceedings. As Osborne recalled, I just remember this PR woman going on and on at me. In the end, I said, you know, animals. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't talk Ozzy on the show. That was kind of actually awesome, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they know what you're saying, just like nobody does know what yeah, he's saying. Yes, yes. We have to translate. <laughs> we have to interpret. I just remember this PR woman going on and on at me. In the end, I said, do you like animals? Then I pulled out one of these doves and bit its fucking head off just to shut her up. Then I did it again with the next dove, spitting the head out onto the table and the woman fell on the floor screaming. I kind of understand all I that. I probably yeah. would have done the same. Osborne would later explain, well, I don't think this actually constitutes an explanation, but the Dove incident was a total freak of nature, if you like. No, I don't like. I was absolutely drunk, and I was being introduced to the head of the LA branch of CBS, adding, it was not a publicity stunt. Oh, my. I was just out of my fucking face on drugs and alcohol. It shocked the shit out of everybody. Now, you know... I'm sorry. I have to disagree. I think he was and always is and will be starling for attention. Yeah, not a publicity stunt, you say? My ass. You know, I doubt we'll ever know the truth about this, but I think the his truth manager... Is clear. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. Okay, his manager wants to ingratiate him to the executives. So she sits there and watches as he gets completely smashed on the way. And, uh, you know, things that make you go, hmm, kind of... The Blizzard of Oz album was doing okay, but it could have done better, and I wouldn't put it past a canny individual like Sharon Osbourne to rightly intuit what should be counterintuitive, actually, that some insane shit like this would actually work and promote record sales. I mean, it shouldn't have, but that isn't the world we live in. I remember seeing a record store window with a large display of Osbourne's second album, uh, Diary of a Madman, and the last one featuring Randy Rhodes before his tragic demise. 
with a large rubber bat with a head missing and lying nearby in a puddle of fake stage blood. And this is like, buy this record because the guy who made it bit the head off a bat. Now, that incident actually happened, too, but at least at the time he believed it to be fake before he chomped its head off. I don't believe that either. Well, you know, basically, to me, if the audience throws something on stage, just a general rule of thumb of mine, I'm not putting it in my mouth. Probably not. Somebody threw something on the stage that looked like a fake bat and he bit the head off, so he says... But, uh, yeah, eh, rabies shots and all that, uh, that's another thing. I mean, I wouldn't put it in my mouth, but then again, I don't go around fucking wasted. So I guess that might be it. You know, I was thinking, but we could do a special Talk Like Ozzy edition of the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Or, or how about Christina Talks Like David Day, which would essentially be the same thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I believe in those features yours, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's not what you sound like. I, I think it was a stunt. I'm sorry. I think it's intentional. I think it's very intentional. And yeah, it, it, but it doesn't matter. He's always going to be, as I mentioned, starling for attention. The good news is the next band is also starling for attention because their their music is something that they want to share with the world. And we are going to listen to The Great Affairs. Now, we've had The Great Affairs on the show one time before, quite some time ago. And they sent us this track called I'm All Right, for which there is a video. They are from Nashville. They're rock with that pop sensibility that we talked about earlier. Let's take a listen to The Great Affairs.
All right, that was The Great Affairs with I'm All Right. Well, let me just tell you one thing that I have to say about it. I love this band, David. I love this band. I do. I'm just going to start right there and then feel free to chime in. I do. I do, too. This has stuff that an old fossil like me can really sink my teeth into, sink my uh, petrified teeth into. <laughs> I knew you were going to go somewhere. <laughs> somewhere there. Because, you know, it might have a slightly more modern vocal, but at its heart, it is like, you know, Meat and Potatoes, Bob Seger, you know, Americana, rock and roll. I'm not even sure. Uh, where are they from? They are from Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, that does not surprise me. Sometimes they surprise you, and it's like, you know, Outer Mongolia and shit, and there's like this really southern rock band. <laughs> Outer Mongolia. We haven't had many of those lately, but yeah. We have not, but I'll, please, I'll be uh, on the lookout. Light, uh, yeah, write in. Uh, write in join, follow us. No, but uh, it's that everyman classic rock thing, and you know, uh, for an old throwback, it's, it's nice to hear this. It really is. I enjoyed it. I, I really, like I mentioned, I love this band for so many reasons. The vocals, they're my thing. The gravel, the soul, the grit, I like it all. Um, I really I like the way he emotes. There, it's emotive. It's it's uh it's a little sexy to be honest with you. I really I like it. There's riffs for days. The great solo, I love it. It's perfectly hard yet it's totally singable, which I love. Right, so it's that perfect mixture. So that's the the thing that I call rock with pop sensibilities. I think this perfectly illustrates that. It is definitely decidedly rock. Okay, but man, it's got that hooky stuff. So. I had to throw in this newer track by The Great Affairs because it just fit, and they're so great, and they never disappoint. So where can you find them? Well, I'm glad you asked, David, with your eyes, of course. You can find them on Facebook at The Great Affairs. And to our profound relief, you have a feature coming up. All right, and it is time for Trivial Trills. We love this. This has become kind of a staple I mean, we don't do it every time, but we like to throw it in every now and again. And for this feature, I will name a musical artist or band and see what, if any, tasty trivia tidbits David can share. And this time, it is the Brothers Gib, the Bee Gees. Oh, yes, that's right. So, David, tell us, what can you give us, tasty or otherwise? Well, it definitely isn't anything tasty. Uh, there are some interesting tidbits. However, hmm. the bros gib were going to be the subject of a feature later on. And oh. that's some interesting uh, factoids about them. But let me see. Besides being from Australia. Yes, from it, very Linda, well done. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, they. So you have to abridge what I mean, you're going to say anyway. Yeah, I have to abridge what I'm going to say. So most of it would end up in there. So why don't you start? All right. Well, let me give you a and little I'll bit. And I'll probably go, oh, I knew that. I knew yeah, that. Yeah, you'll, you'll chime in and let me know, maybe expound upon some things. But either way, we're going to give uh, the audience a little information about the Bee Gees. Barry is the only songwriter to have had four consecutive U.S. one hits with Staying Alive, Love is Thicker Than Water, Night Fever, and can you think of the last one? Uh, if I can't have you, I don't ah, want nobody, wow. baby. Oh freaking love that song so four consecutive number ones consecutive that ain't easy okay in any and in, in any era right it's just not going to happen era hasn't that for me yet hmm, whatever genre era whatever it hasn't for you yet you know it's weird hasn't for me either that's weird I, uh, you know. I don't understand it but it hasn't and uh, did you know that two of the brothers had near-death experiences uh, no, definitely not. This is very interesting. Barry, at the same time? No. Mm, okay. No, different. Barry almost died at the age of two. 
because he overturned a pot of his mother's boiling tea. He was not expected to survive and at one point was given 20 minutes to live. 20 minutes? Did they? I didn't know they cut it that close. Yeah, cut it that close. I, he was just so badly burnt. But obviously he pulled through and, you know, just became a legend. And Robin survived a major accident in 1967 when a London trail derailed, killing 49 people. Damn. Robin and his soon-to-be wife escaped through a broken window, and neither were hurt. Wow. Like, I mean, that's crazy, the level of near-death experiences in this band. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we know that two of them have passed, so we only have one remaining. And we know that Andy what? Gibb yeah, also passed. Yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, recording artist brother Andy, uh, who's actually quite good. Uh, I don't know much else well, about they, that. They performed professionally for the first time in 1958 at an Australian Speedway. How cute is that? We all have the first place we ever performed, and you just you always have an affinity for it. And an Australian Speedway is certainly respectable. And, and what year was that? Uh, 1958. Oh, they were they were they were little tykes. Very babe, yeah. little babes, if you will. And they are in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, as they should they be. They should be. And they released their very first single in 1963. And here is the interesting thing, too. 2,500 artists have recorded their songs. I'm not surprised. Yeah, including Elvis. That's right. And they started writing songs through a very, in a very cute way. So they did it through a game of make-believe. They would listen to the radio and pretend they were in charge of writing the artist's next hit record. Wow. And they wrote songs the way other kids threw a ball around. So that's what they did for fun, is they wrote songs. So they were destined for greatness. They have enjoyed nine number one hits. And this is interesting, too. I love this. I love it when artists do this, not just because of, you know, my you know desire for everyone to be treated equal, but I just love that they've always thought of this. They make all their songs relatable by keeping the lyrics gender neutral. Hmm. So if you listen to their lyrics, it's not, you know, it doesn't say one or the other. So anybody can, like, I dedicate this to my boyfriend, I dedicate this to my girlfriend, right, or Hmm. whatever. So that was on purpose. They were very aware of the fact they wanted to keep it gender neutral. So then That's a latter-day development because they used to say, you know, where would I be without my woman, you know. Right. And, you know, way back when. Well, that's way back when, but I think they wanted, they were, when they got bigger, if you will, all their number ones are, you know, how deep is your love? It's not like how deep is her love, you know, or if I can't have you, woman, you know, or, you know, love is thicker than water, baby girl, or, you know. So I think that's great. I think that makes sense. And that means that more people are going to relate and and be invested in your songs because they can see themselves in your songs. So it's very fortuitous for them since their songs have been covered by many men and women that they do have that sort of, you know, universal quality. And they don't appeal to it. It's a guy tune. It's a chick tune. It it isn't like that with this stuff. And it manages to remain excellent, too. Absolutely. Well, the last factoid I have, because I don't want to go on forever, is the only remaining member is Barry, and he is 74. So we need to bubble wrap him and make sure that uh, he is cared for, because we need at least one BG. Yeah, four brilliant brothers he had, and I mean three. Yeah, three brilliant brothers. Four all together. Yeah, four all together, and uh, he's the last. It's, we uh, like to do simple math, even early in the morning. It's uh, it is early in the morning too. <laughs> I don't know. 
All right. Well, I'm sorry you didn't have any trivial trills and that for some reason. But I have BG's, uh, BG's uh, goodies, though. Right, exactly. Well, you couldn't give it all away. You couldn't give yeah. up the ghost on this one. So we have one last song to listen to. But, you know, I got I to gotta say I'm getting real tired of this, folks. All those people who uh, send in songs. You know, I don't, I don't want to put a moratorium on it, but if you send in songs... And they don't have a tag. There's no metadata, which means I cannot identify who you are. I may not play you. But in this case, I I fell in love with this song. I love this song. I tried to find you. This is the second damn time. Don't make me tell you again. <laughs> please, please. If you're going to send in your song, don't just name. Don't just add the name, which is this song is called Find the Killer. A great song by an unknown artist from an unknown place of an unknown genre that I have now assigned you and with unknown social media. Well, that sucks for you. But anyway, let's take a listen to your song called Find the Killer.
right, whoosh, we're back, and that was We Don't Know with a song called Find the Killer. You know, we're doing it again, of course, the most pathetic enablers. We're going to play people who have information floating around with absolutely no no contact of any sort. No way to know who they are or where they so are. So disappointing. So disappointing. And once again, we're going to do it. And I think this one, however, still deserves it. It's so it damn it. Come good. Come on. It's so good. This uh, awesome new wave surf rock kind totally. of. Totally. Uh, I know, have that written down. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's what you think going in. And uh, Isn't it a little Missing Persons, a little Berlin? Exactly. It is Missing Persons Berlin. Even a little The Waitresses, just a little bit, Little Waitresses. Even, or the more forward-thinking Blondie, a lot of the, the later Blondie. And now, at least in this instance, it's not Baby Come Back to Me or some shit. It's a title that's pretty out there. I mean, it's a title that, you know... I know lots of people, and none of them have a song called Find the Killer. No, I love it. So that should make it easier to find out who this is. If you can find out, please tell them we play them, I and went we'd like to, to know more about them. I went to Spotify, searched Find the Killer. You don't even understand the uh, lengths I That's why I, we're I turning to. to you, the audience. Yes, we need help. Find the Killer. Believe me, if you knew a band that did a song called Find the Killer, you'd remember that, because it's a great title. And, and how it was delivered in the song. I mean, it's just beautiful. This is so. an absolute catchy earworm. It stays with you. I mean, find we were killer, already... Find, find the killer. killer. We were I mean, already singing these, it. Wherever they are, whoever they are, they're, these cats and chicks are probably not from around these parts. They're probably European, and, or either that or they sound awesomely so. They have a beautiful sound. Like you said, Berlin kind of thing, missing persons. Very, very right. What I like, too, um, is I like that there's menacing. It's menacing, and it's a little bit mocking. She says, I'm sure you're so proud. And I just thought, <laughs> hell yeah. I like that little mocking, sassy tone, and then the that insistent and just repetitive, find the killer. It's the best. So find the killer is a great song. Hopefully we can find the killer band that owns this song so that we can continue to promote them. So if this is your band, or you know who this is, please let us know at bothonair at gmail.com because we want to celebrate them. And we want more music from them. Hmm. I know that it's not mine a turn. As Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank would say, stop the madness. <laughs> Are you suggesting that not only do I have to do a feature, and I got to tell you, that was a cautionary tale. No, the other the cautionary tale in not sending in your band information. But um, also, I would say, here's a cautionary uh, note for you. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be radio personalities because, Ooh. man, I'm telling you, it's murder on the throat for some reason. You know what it is? I think it's this, it's this, it's this air conditioning because it's damn stinking summer. Will summer ever end? Son of a bitch, man. Got a little while. Fourth of July today, by the way, folks. Yay, uh, Independence Day. Actually recording on Independence Day. Let freedom ring. And we are free here to make up features every week, three or four new features a week. <laughs> and <laughs> Good thing you don't Christina, exaggerate. <laughs> Christina exercises this freedom and takes full advantage of this right. I try to keep it fresh. And here is the th yet the third... Uh, which I have to inaugurate uh, and hey, christen. It's an honor the, and yeah, a privilege. It, it is. Didn't, isn't that what I said the second time? You did, but just now, you know, you made it sound like a, yeah, a job. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe it's not such an honor three times. <gasps> of, co <laughs> of course it is, oh, Pumpkin. Of course it is. And this one is called It Was Mina. Now, there's a bird you actually heard of. Mm -hmm. All right, for this feature, we discuss the songwriters of some of the biggest hits not written by the artist or band. The uh, unsung heroes of popular popular music, even if they're known, 
it isn't widely known that they did this. That's correct. And somebody else has done it or more famously than they. True. <clears throat> I just wanted to say real quick. Find the killer. Find, find the, the killer. killer. <laughs> find the killer. I fucking love that. It's, it's such a great song. <laughs> All right, so for the first, it was Mina. You know, and my mind is forever warped because when I hear the word Mina, I think D Mina, the saddest of old keys, you know. <laughs> I, I, I like thank it. Thank you, Spinal Tap. I cannot, every time, that's what Mina means to me. D Mina. I like and it. And it, it is the saddest of old keys, is it not? It is. Well, there are innumerable examples of artists having a hit song, sometimes a signature or career defining song, written by another artist, such as Mott the Hoople who had a hit song and an album titled All the Young Dudes, which is written by David Bowie. And Janis Joplin's Me and Bobby McGee, Chris Christopherson behind the Come pen on. on that one. And, of course, hers is the definitive ver- version, obviously, but still. And uh, But adding a little twist to this, I'd like to talk about a songwriter or a trio of them. We've already kind of shot our wad on that one. The Bee Gees <laughs> we're talking about here. <laughs> a trio of them, rather, who wrote a whole slew of hits for other artists, Namely, those lovely Gib boys, Barry, Robin, and Morris, the Bee Gees. And uh, we were talking about them earlier, and this was pretty much what I had. And uh, everybody knows these tunes, but and it'll jog your memory, and you go, oh, yeah, that was them, that was them. Because it has that special sauce of the Bee Gees, no matter who's doing it. So, let's do a little uh, look at what we had here. Mm. <gasps> and he, gentlemen and ladies, and uh, those beyond the binary... <laughs> He has grabbed the coveted shaker, so be prepared for some sing-along. Well, I thought, since we're deprived these days of History Strikes Back, since these most of these songs are pretty well known, we might be able to squeeze out a line or two with the old egg. Blew the dust off the old egg. Uh, all right, songs, hit songs written, recorded by others. Whether or not the Bee Gees ever did them is irrelevant. They were big hits for the other people. That's right. And written by the boys. And one of the more notable ones, uh, which was later on, bastard, I mean, uh, alter, uh, modified to uh, another use, in Ghetto Superstar, Islands in the Stream, <gasps> as recorded by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. In 1983. Islands in the stream, that is what we are. No one in between, how can we be wrong? Sail away with me to another world, and we rely on each other. From one lover to another. I may know that song. You may know that song. Maybe. I, I clearly don't. Uh, and here's one, Babs herself, Barbara, Barbara Streisand, singing like butter on Woman in Love. Oh, my goodness. Right? You can you can hear the Brothers I Gibbs. I am a woman in love. Oh. Whatever happens after Whatever that. happens after that is pretty. The phenomenal Yvonne Elliman, who uh, has been known to sing back up with Eric Clapton. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. If I can't have you, uh-huh. Beautiful uh, job there. Uh. But, of course, the song had to be there to sing. In Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Ah, Samantha sang, It's just emotion that's taking... You know what I mean? I mean, I know the song, I don't, but I don't know it. Yeah, no, I don't either. I was hoping you knew the words. Kind of ride your coattails, but... <laughs> I was going to ride really, yours. I think they're on it, actually. Yeah, Barry's actually on this one, and you can hear it. It sounds like a BG song. But her vocal is wonderful, and it's great. Nice. Uh, oh, here's one. Frankie Valley Grease. 
Oh my God! Bam, now that bam, you say bam, that, it, it comes back once oh you hear it. You go, gosh, "Oh yeah, you're right." Grease is the word. That's that's wow. the boys that wrote that. I now, I'm nope. just right now, I am reliving that whole song in my head. Grease, it's the word, it's the word that you heard. It's got groove, it's got fear, groove yeah, feeling. Groove I don't know. Feeling, meaning <laughs> like that. It's the time and the motion, something and, and the an emotion. emotion. This is the way we are feeling. Exactly, exactly. All right, and pure, absolute solid gold. Tavares. More than woman. I won't even try it. More than a woman to me. I mean. Isn't it go shoot up, doo doop, or something? That is the best (laughs) pop you'll ever hear. Yeah, so they absolutely are lifelong heroes of mine uh, with an amazing and unrivaled legacy. BG's forever, motherfuckers. Very nice. I love that it was Mina because it does allow the songwriters to shine. Even if they're famous in their own right, it doesn't matter. I still think they should have their moment. Well, so what is the new theme? Because every week we have a new theme. Now you're wondering, are we going to go back to things like Losing My Crowned Pigeon? Are we going to go back to that? Yes, we will eventually return to those crazy, silly, bird pun-filled themes. But for now, we're continuing... The uh, kind of freebird thing. And this time we're doing freebird goth. So goth is a form of folk music inspired experimental music that emerged from post-industrial music circles. So it can be solely acoustic folk or it can be a blend of acoustic folk instrumentation with accompanying sounds such as pianos, strings, elements of industrial music and experimental music. So some Great examples, in my opinion. Susie and the Banshees, Bauhaus, Joy Division, The Cramps, Cocktoo Twins, The Cure, Typo Negative, The Cult, Nine Inch Nails, Sisters of Mercy, and on and on and on. And you know, I know The Cure does not consider themselves to be goth, but they have been adopted by the goth family, so we're just going to roll with that. So very, very interesting. I look forward to getting goth tunes. I've already received quite a few because I put the feelers out a little earlier this time because I might have had some uh, some prescient uh, sort of thoughts about the whole thing. I thought, well, wait a minute. Goth is going to probably be an upcoming theme. How do I know this? Because I fucking decided it. So, yeah. <laughs> put it out there. So now that you know the new theme, oh no. <sighs> Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodnight till it be mar- or next week, you know, a couple weeks, whatever. But with the parting nice means one. that another amazing show is in the can and not the trash can david don't even go there is uh, has reached the finish line has made it uh, you know to uh, has come to fruition has uh, realized its full potential and that means that we are going to ask you now to do more homework and we're going to do another versus because it's enjoyable right now to do this hell yes or oh hell no versus so we're going to do versus depeche mode versus yazoo also known as yaz so yes that is where we're going we're going to that place musically and i cannot wait to see what your results are and i cannot wait to tell you what i think david is going to get a quick study on yazoo because i don't believe he knows yazoo but will soon so i think i have done my duty we're sure you've got opinions up the yazoo and we want to hear them so. <laughs> uh well yeah i can't believe uh, i missed that one that was course, great well course. done <laughs> 
Well, according to page three, this is the part where we wrap this puppy up on a neat little blanket. Is that right? Indeed. Uh, all right. All right, next from What the Flock Radio's Birds of a Feather is a new episode of Winging It. And remember, your boys are coming every week. Subscribe to our feed at Bof on Air. That's B-O-A-F on Air dot podbean, like it sounds, dot com. And enable notifications so you never miss a show or subscribe and listen to us on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and many more. Mm. And, well, with all the uh, pleasantries and pheasantries dispensed up with... We always do. I guess that only leaves for you to say... Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.